Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. seated as we jump into the word today. If you've been blessed already, you feel his presence here. I pray you do. If you don't, you're as dull as that doorknob over there. So we'll pray for you. We got a special prayer for you if that's you. Um, If you could hand me my Bible there, dad. We're going to go right into the scripture today as we've been talking. We're looking at how to keep the flame. You could even subtitle this, how to break the spirit of being a lukewarm Christian. You tired of being lukewarm in places in your walk? You tired of tolerating a lukewarm spirit in your life? Well, today I believe something can turn and change. And here's the thing I know, the flame doesn't have to be big in order for it to be real, authentic, or effective. A church does not have to be big to say God is here. It's usually the small things, it is the lowly things that God has a way of using to astound and be profound against the wise. This is how God works. And today, no matter 
how big your flame is. All I care about as your pastor is that it is real. That you're not faking it. You're not faking it with yourself and you're not faking it with other people. Have something real for yourself. And the Holy Spirit, when he comes to live inside of you, this is why we pray at baptism for either an infilling of the Holy Spirit, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit, because it says in Ephesians that it says, don't be intoxicated with wine. In other words, don't be intoxicated with the things of this world, with the flesh, but be being filled, it says, with the Holy Spirit. That anything that intoxicates you that is not him is an idol or an addiction in your life. Submitted under the Holy Spirit. So my prayer today is that the way your flame gets a little bigger is you get a little more intoxicated with him. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in Acts 28 that speaks of where Paul has a moment of where he confronts the vipers in his life and he allows the flame to be kindled. If you turn in your Bibles to Acts 28, verse 1 through 10, it says this. Put it in context before we read it. Paul, in Acts 27, just experienced shipwreck. It says for 14 days he was a prisoner and he was heading... um, to uh, something of seeing the Supreme Court in Rome and was confronting the captain saying, this is not the weather, this is not the time, trying to get the captain's attention. Paul is actually a prisoner on this ship. The captain would not listen. So shipwreck happens. Their boat gets destroyed and they make it to a nearby piece of land, a nearby island of Malta where they encounter some natives. This is where our story picks up. It says, verse 28, Now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire, somebody say fire, and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on to his hand. One of the more crazy stories of the Bible you're going to see here. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off, somebody say shook, But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a lowercase god. Paul knows. In that region, there was an estate of leading citizens on the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius laid sick of a fever, and Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands, somebody say laid hands, on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had disease also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things that were necessary. 
powerful passage of scripture, an amazing miracle that takes place. And as we look today of how to kindle the fire, of how to start the fire, of how to have a cure against the lukewarmness in your life, I want you to hear this of what we see. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Corey, thank you. It says, or what I want you to hear is, you will only live in the fire to the extent of your ability to overcome the excuses of your flesh. You will only live in the fire of the Holy Spirit to your ability to overcome the excuses that come up and through your flesh. Anybody have an excuse for everything? Or maybe you know a person that has an excuse for everything? I've come to find that many times what we label as a demonic attack or something spiritual, many a times is just an excuse. And we are masters as excuses. If you have multiple children, your kids can become one of the greatest excuses to get out of just about anything. But when you got to get up early on a Sunday morning and get your kids to church, maybe there's a sniffle, maybe there's a squirrel. quarreling that's taken place in the home, whatever it is, we've got to overcome the excuses. And I've come to find in people's lives and in my own life, at the ability I am willing to attack and not be lazy and complacent to the excuses will be the ability to where the Holy Spirit will grow and the fire of him will become stronger in my life. Somebody say break excuses. Excuses are too welcome, especially in a post-COVID world. How many of you have went to a restaurant in the past few years and it says, sorry, closed, not enough people? Pre-COVID, it would be, if there was two people, one would be the chef, one would be the hostess, one would be the waitress, right? You, you, you make it happen. You just don't put the sign on the door. But now these excuses are normal. And, and we just see um, it can be so easy to just adapt to the excuses that we put in place in our life to, um, to not really wrestle with what God is requiring of us, but to just put it on something else or to blame shift or to claim victim status against something when many a times it is an excuse that you've got to fight. Life on fire for God is not a personality trait that you have either. It's not a gift or it's not some calling. It's something that is promised to all of us. And if you don't have the fire of God in you, then you're never going to walk in dominion You're never going to experience the deliverance that God has for you because you are lukewarm, you are complacent, you fall to every trial, and you blame God for everything. That's what a life on the other side of not having his fire is. We see in the scripture that as they're shipwrecked, the logical thing would to be of not knowing in this native land that we don't know the people, are we in danger, are we going to be okay? If it was me, I would have started to be thinking of my plan of escape and my exit. Of how am I going to rebuild the ship? How are we going to pull some parts together, get off this island, and get back on mission? Well, what does Paul do? It says that the natives were being kind, and they begin to uh, start or to kindle a fire. And so Paul approaches, and he sits around the fire. And uh, if you remember in the scripture what we read, it says that he just didn't sit around the fire. It says he got up, and he went and got sticks to put into the fire. But Paul could have had the excuse. It said it's cold. It's raining. How many of us are fair weather church people? We look out our window and it's cold and it's, way, and it's rainy and we don't want to get out of the house today. We'd rather stay in the warm blanket. 
I've been there. We've all been there. And so I, I find it funny when Scripture gives the details of it was cold and it was raining. Because like us, these are many times the pettiful excuses we have of why we can't do something for God or why we can't show up or why we can't step out is because of just simple petty things. So Paul could have said it's raining. We just got shipwrecked. We went through a storm. Why did God allow this shipwreck to happen? Don't we talk like that too when, when something doesn't go our way? And so you got to understand that in order to begin the flame, to kindle the flame, you've got to be able to overcome excuses. We can't be lazy Christians. And we can't be caught up in the hype of what God's doing. Many a times it is a committed everyday routine and a disciplined journey. Not looking for wildfire to run after to get something to ignite in your life. Now, in a message like this, it can be seen as a spark. You got to have the pilot light somewhere. You've got to have the spark somewhere. But then it's up to you to then go and build a fireplace in your own home, in your own marriage, in your own relationship, in your own finances, in your own business for the principles and the things of God to burn and to burn consistently. Is classical charismatics, it can be tempting to want to run after the wildfire activity versus to turn around and do the hard work of building the fireplace for the consistent controlled burn. Now, you've got to be sparked and you've got to come alive. Many people never come alive. But if you're always looking for the conference, the retreat, the mountaintop experience, and you never build the fire, you'll always be left high and dry. And your life will always look like this as a Christian. You're just led by your feelings. You're led by your emotions. And if you're not careful, God is not an emotion to be felt. The Holy Spirit is not an emotion to be experienced. Though we do feel him and thank God we do. But just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not working or moving or doing. And you've got to divorce yourself of always going after a cold chill, after an emotion or a feeling when it's every day. Think of in your marriage, do you feel like you're in love every day? Love is getting up and doing the hard thing, getting up in the middle of the night with your kids, getting up and showing up to work to provide for your family. If you went by, I, I feel like doing it, then you wouldn't get up and do it. Because a lot of times you don't feel like doing it. Your feelings always lie to you many of the times. So don't be feelings driven. Paul, if he was feelings driven here, could have had every excuse why he didn't want to do it. So we've got to overcome excuses. Secondly, fire is kindled by someone. We see this here. But it will burn by your bundle of sticks. We can't have the mentality of we come to church to throw our vipers in the pastor's fire or at the altar here. Though we do, an altar ministry is very real and it works. But what I'm getting to you today is if you are in the cycle, if you've been following Christ for 10 plus years and you're still having to have somebody's fire to get freedom and deliverance, last week we talked of being self-delivered. If you have to have somebody else, if you always have to run to someone else and you've never built your own fire, there's a problem. Because a consistent, satisfied, devoted life in Christ is you understand like Paul did the fire was started and kindled, but now I have to get up and go and get the dry sticks to put into the fire. What are the dry sticks we've got to grab? And again, this is going to sound very simple and very plain, but the sun that you see every day in the sky 
Just because it's old, it's been around, it's a part of your everyday life, it doesn't mean that it's not hot. It will burn you if you get close to it. The same of what I want to say with the first stick today is your scripture. You've got to know your Bible. You see, my generation says this. Well, God told me. But you look at Jesus, and you look at how he confronted the enemy in the wilderness. Did he say, well, I feel God, or God told me? What did Jesus say? He said, it is written. And if we're going to ever fight the enemy, it's not going to be with what you felt God told you. Though that does work, it needs to be more poignant in the way Jesus t teaches us, which means you've got to know the scripture. But if you don't know the scripture, you walk around saying God told you things that don't line up with scripture. If God tells you something and it's not revealed in scripture, I'm sorry, but that's not God. That's always your, your parameter. And if we're going to be a church, if you're going to be a person that has real spiritual authority, you confront the enemy not with what God told you, but what is written. That's where the power source is. That's where the stick that you need to pick up and put into the fire. And see, what did you see at the end of verse 10? If you put this back up, Jordan or Dylan, you would see that they didn't rush to go build the ship. They, they built a fire. In other words, they built an altar before they built what was necessary. So the end result was God still provided through them. It says they were honored and that they were provided with what they were needed necessary. Many times we skip building the fire. We skip building the altar and we put our mind on what is necessary, what we think is necessary in our life. But what they did is they took the time to build the fire, to build the altar, because if the fire ever is going to fall in your life, it only falls on a sacrifice. So if you're not walking around with a sacrificial life, there is no fire that can burn because there are no sticks that can burn in your life. So if we don't know the scripture, which is one stick, then there's not going to be a place for that to burn. Because the, the lie of the enemy is go and focus on your ship. Go build your life. Go build your business void of me. Go live every pleasure that you want to live and just check in with me on Sunday. Versus build the altar first and allow everything to flow out of that. And then what you just saw in verse 10, then he will supply everything that you have need of and what is necessary. I would rather live my life that way. Because... The storms can't shake a provision of a ship that God provides. He can shake Titanic who said, this thing will never sink, right? The arrogance and the pride, if you know the story. So don't be in a hurry to build a ship, but rush to build an altar for the fire to burn. So we have, by the word, the scriptures. Secondly, we have prayer. The thing I've come to find about prayer and a secret, having a secret place, is you're either going to live in the secret place or you're going to live in secret sin. These are the two balances of life. These are the two handlebars on the bike, is you either have a secret prayer life where you're storing oil, you have intimacy with Christ, or you are living in secret sin. And if you have a secret place, and you put your sin in that secret place, it is no longer secret sin. The secret place is the very place where you're held accountable, where you bring it to Christ. And let me tell you this about the fire. The lie of the enemy will always say, if you are struggling with secret sin, stay out of church, don't talk to people, 
You're going to be judged. That is the biggest fib and lie of the enemy you will ever hear. But when you have a place of secret sin, the first place you should run is to your secret place and run to the Father who can actually touch and heal that part of your life. Don't let therapy, counseling, and medicine, I am not against those things, but they have to be ordered correctly. Make your first stop him before you go to the medication, please. Where God can lead you in that. He can speak to you. And the thing we need to know about prayer is the goal of prayer is not just to pray, but it's to leave that time of prayer conscious of Jesus, that he showed up, that he spoke through the word. On the road to Emmaus, it says that Jesus walked with him, though the disciples' eyes were closed. And it says as they walked with him, he taught them the scripture. And as he taught them the scripture, they then sat down, they break bread, Jesus reveals himself, and they look at each other and say, did our hearts not burn? And what I'm telling you today, when you fall in love with scripture, when you fall in love with prayer, your heart will burn and it won't be empty, dead, dry sticks on a page, but it will be life to you and sustenance to you and fire to you to be delivered of any and everything, any and every addiction, any and every vice that the enemy has a stronghold in your life. Psalms 149.4 says this, because prayer is not about you just getting to God. You need to know this because this will change everything of why you pray is prayer, he actually looks forward and longs for you to spend time with him. What brings your heavenly father joy is closeness, relationship, yieldedness, and time with him. He craves it. He loves it. He gets excited when you turn to him and say, you know what, I'm going to block this time out, or on my drive to work, this is me and him together. Psalms 149.4 says this. It says, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He takes pleasure in you. And I love this. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Salvation is a work of beauty. It's a work of taking the ugliness of sin, taking the image of God that's been marred by sin, and when you spend time in his presence, it beautifies you. Ladies, it's like you're putting your face on. There's just something that happens when you spend time in the presence of that mirror, right? And you, you, you be transformed. Um, or, guys, it's, it's, it's taking the time to eat healthy, to live an active lifestyle, not letting yourself go, not falling into gluttony. All of these things is just an example. But ultimately, he takes pleasure in his people. And he wants you to spend time with him. And you bring joy to him. And when you get with him, a work begins to happen of where he beautifies you with salvation, the humble with salvation. Psalms 35, 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Hear this, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God loves to see you blessed, to walk in blessing. And we're not talking about you having more stuff and you having more money. How about something better than money? How about you having more peace? How about you having more joy? How about some healing in your marriage where you're not so against each other all the time? How about coming to a place where you're, you're not indebted to insecurity? Where you live out of a place of wanting people's approval or having to have this friend or having to look a certain way or having to drive this thing. He wants to bless and takes pleasure in your blessing. But don't limit it 
to more stuff and more money because that's at the very surface. So he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. I love this. People who pray are, who, are people who don't stray. When you pray, you better watch out because you're not going to stray. You're going to stay consistent. You're going to stay in line. You're going to be uh, turning and doing what God has called you to do. But it comes through an effective prayer life. And another stick to touch briefly is fasting. When's the last time you fasted? When's the last time you've put something down intentionally to seek God? When's the last time you've given alms, which means that you, uh, the, the money that you didn't spend on Starbucks and on food, you give to the poor, you, you bless somebody with. Fasting decreases your physical weight, but it also increases your spiritual weight. Yeah. Two benefits there I think we could all use. It, it decreases your, your physical weight, but it puts some weight on you spiritually so you can fight the enemy, so you can walk in what God's called you to do. Fasting prepares you for temptation. If you want to fight temptation, fast, because that's what prepares you. And know this, we don't fast to change our worth before God, but we do fast to change our weight. This is not a worth issue. This is a weight issue. And if your flame is so small and is in pilot light mode, try fasting to get a little gasoline on your fire to set it ablaze so that you can begin to shed off spiritual lethargy. You can begin to shed off some dead works and put on good works, put on Christ, and watch how he can change your story and change your walk with him. Simply by getting into the secret place, by being intentional, putting some things down, and saying, my focus is on him, to hear and to receive from him. Fasting should not just be 21 days at the beginning of the year. Fasting should be regiment and a routine lifestyle. It should be a part of, of your walk with God. But fasting hurts. It requires something of you. Your stomach reminds you when you're fasting. But here's what you're doing. You're telling King Belly that he's not in control. And when he's not in control, then you can tell your flesh when you're not fasting, I've conquered you. I'm not going to give into the lowest version of myself. I'm not going to give into the appetites and the cravings of the world. I'm led by the Spirit of God. So we've got to kill the excuses. And then we've got to put the sticks on the fire. Lastly, and I want to close with this, and um, Brian and Corey, if you come, we'll end with a song here. Number three is fire will provoke the vipers, but it will also kill them. Anybody want to provo provoke some vipers in your life, some demons in your life? Anyone want to pro provoke the flesh in your life? Start building the flame. Start kindling the flame. And as a byproduct, what did the scripture say? It says the sticks were put on, the flame began to, to heat up, and it was only as the flame got bigger and it got hotter that out of nowhere the viper jumps out and latches itself onto Paul's hand. Notice it didn't possess him, it latched. And so what you've got to understand is the hotter your fire gets, just because you encounter a viper doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Hear this, please. It means you're doing something right. The fire's getting hotter. So the very same fire, hear this as well, 
that provokes the viper, Paul says he then shakes it off back into the fire. So the same fire that provokes it or manifests the demonic in your life or manifests your flesh, that same fire is the remedy, medicine, and antidote that then kills that viper. Are you tracking with me? So when you begin to get serious about your walk with God, get ready because the vipers will come out. But on the flip side, it's the same flame that can then kill the vipers. Paul didn't shake it off and deal, put a Band-Aid on it and cast it over there. He knew to cast it back into the fire it came from because that's what will kill it. Some of us, we get latched and we just try to throw it off. And remember, they, whatever viper this was, whatever venom it secreted, they waited to see that he would die. That's how powerful it was. So we've got to understand, stop playing with the enemy. Stop playing patty cake with the vipers in your life. Deal with them because if you don't deal with them, they will destroy you. Paul didn't baby it. He didn't try to go get therapy about his, his venom bite. He cast it into the flame and it was destroyed right there. You tracking with me? You know what's amazing too is you, I think it was three verses later in verse eight or nine. What would be the very part of his body that God would use to go bring healing to all the disease in the land? His hand. So the very parts of you that God wants to use, the enemy knows, and that's the very place that the enemy will attack. So you've got to understand today that when you get serious about building and stoking putting sticks on the flame, the vipers will come out. That viper can look like offense, disappointment, pain, trauma, your past, secret sin being revealed. But understand, as it manifests, it has to be thrown into the fire. The enemy will manifest it to destroy it, but your God manifests it to heal you and set you free. And then he can bring remedies and things into your life to build these disciplines. So you've got to quickly get rid of it. The fire will expose it. And like I said, my flame, this church's flame, your mom's flame, your grandma's prayers can't set you free. They can set you up, but they cannot set you free. You see... As God's image, as God's people, we were actually never meant for deliverance. We were always meant for dominion. But in the garden, sin entered into the world and plagued its people. It's plagued you and I. But understand that God's heart for you is that you walk in dominion. But you will never get to dominion unless you get deliverance of your sin, of your pride, of your ego of the vipers that want to come out of the fire, depression, anxiety. And look how it was. It's something that came on him quickly and latched. Doesn't anxiety come on you quickly and try to latch? Doesn't depression try to come on you quickly and latch? And how many of us just let it latch and let it secrete and secrete and secrete? Instead of, you know what? I put the, the wood in the fire. I know my scripture. It is written. And I can take the authority that God's given me and shake it back to the very pits of hell to where it belongs. 
I'm telling you today, to the most anxious generation, we've got to shake the vipers. Amen. If you stand, if you stand with me, I want to take a moment. I want you to pray. And I believe some things are going to shake off. For all my guys, this analogy is for you. It's like a football game. It's when you have the ball is when everyone runs and attacks you. Right? So when the ball is thrown in your court, when you catch the pass, that's when you're now on call to be tackled. It's time to pick the ball up and not be afraid of the tackle because that means there's progress. That means you're running toward the end zone, the call of God that he has for your life. It's time to throw the anxiety, the depression, the intrusive thoughts, the generational curses, the fear of dying, the fear of dying young, fear of accidents, anything that wants to come on you, you know what tries to come on you. It's gonna come on you when you leave here if you don't take authority of it now because it's been exposed. And I know we're going late, but this is important stuff. And this is stuff that can set you free. This is salt, not sugar. And so what I want to happen is if there's something that's come to mind, you know the viper that you need to be set free of. I want you to grab your communion and I just want you to line up here at the altar. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We pray it encouraged, uplifted, and challenged you to become more like Christ. We would love to hear from you. You can email your prayer requests to prayer at gpcky.com. Loving our podcast? Take a moment and like and subscribe on our YouTube channel to stay up to date with all of our new content. Thanks for listening.